Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Siddim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the, the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gerashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take twelve men of the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, and when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the, the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarephath and those flowing down towards the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Let's take a few moments to reflect on God's Word together. me to introduce uh, Tyler Groff to you. Many of you know Tyler. He was a, a student here at um, Hoggard High School. Yep. And uh, I met him when I was doing Young Life here. And we went to Windy Gap together and we went on a trip to the Bahamas together and spent a week on a sailboat together and many other adventures. It's uh, been fun knowing him and then... That's me. That's my fault. Sorry. I was trying. I knew it was coming out of that. <laughs> then he... Um, 
went to UNCW, was involved here at Christ Community Church just as it began 12 years ago, and then went off to seminary, and we helped him in that process. And now he's uh, in Detroit, Michigan, or just outside of Detroit in a church there. And so we're glad that you're back. I'm sure you're glad to be back from it's Detroit, Michigan. And we're glad that he's here to tell us about what the Lord has to say to us through Joshua chapter 3. Let me pray for you. Okay. Heavenly Father, we are um, honored that you bring your servants to us. Thank you for the many men and women who have poured into his life, and especially those in seminary and his church, uh, Ward Church in Detroit. And now he comes and shares all of their talents and mixed with his to help us to hear from you today. So we pray for your clarity through him. Help us to have open ears and open hearts to what you have to say through him today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me get my gear all set up. I, I feel this, I'm wearing this mic, and it feels like something you'd wear to go to outer space. So I'm, bear with me, okay? Great to be here with you. Um, some of you may not know who I am, but I was part of the church here and knew Paul. And Paul knew me back when I was in high school, which means that I had it even less together then than I do now. And um, it's a joy to be here with you. And most pastors, they, they tell you that when they come and they're a guest speaker. They say, hey, it is really great to be here. It's great to be here uh, with you today. But it really is great to be here with you because I live in Michigan. And the temperatures this next week won't break the, tw- the teens. Um, so it's great to be here with you. And I'm enjoying the weather here. And uh, we're going to look at Joshua today. And uh, as we begin, just want to... Say, I'm here with my uh, wife, Rachel. We just celebrated six years yesterday of marriage. Uh, we have a little daughter named Emery, and she is two, and she's enjoying the kids over there. Should I not walk over here? I'll, yeah, I'll stay back this way. I'm a walker, FYI, walker, void over here. This will help me. Okay, let's do that. That will keep me from walking that way. And then we have a son named Lane who's three months, and he's in here. So if you hear a kid start crying, that's my kid. So you can get mad at me, all right? Okay. So we're going to talk about Joshua. And, you know, people are asking me in Detroit when I told them, I was like, I'm really excited to come back and preach for the church I went to in college. And hopefully I have a word for people here. And they, they said, are you just going to pull something out of the bag, something you've already done? I said, no, this is brand new. This is a word I feel I've got that I want to bring to them. So that means it could be really bad. Um, and so uh, I hope that there's something here for you this morning. Um, looking at the new year and stepping out, the sermon's called Stepping Out In Two. And for many of us, if you're like me, that stepping out is stepping out into fear. It's stepping out into doubt. It's stepping out into the unknown. It's stepping out into exhaustion. Um, I, I am a parent of two small kids. Uh, which means I love my kids dearly, but I feel like I'm dying slowly. Does, like if you've had young kids, do you feel that at all? This sense of like, you know, I feel like I've taken a couple years off my life already from exhaustion. My mom's shaking her head at me, which means she felt that with me. But I feel that. I feel I'm stepping out into what lies ahead in 2014 is exhaustion for me. 
um, I'm stepping out with all of my mess and brokenness and uh, emotional bankruptcy into 2014 and going like, can I just hold it together for another year? And so maybe today, me included, we could step out in faith. Step out in trust in God's goodness, his grace, his love to us. Stepping out in dependence that he will meet us on the other side. And so uh, we're going to look at Joshua and a couple of things that Joshua points out and how we could step out into faith. And the first thing we look at here in this passage is it says in verse 5, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That I think for us, one of the main things we need to be able to do, first thing that this passage says, there there will be three things, is to consecrate ourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Now, this... uh, this word here to consecrate, uh, you know, I'm about to go kind of, you know, I, I fear doing this sometimes um, where you quote Hebrew because you start to go like, oh, wow, he's amazing. But no, it's just I, I think it's important here. Usually it's not, but it's important here. Uh, this verb here is called the hithpael in Hebrew, and it basically has this reflexive tone to it that you would consecrate yourselves, that you're continually consecrating yourself. That's this thing. Um, I'll, I'll say it like this. Two years ago, we had our daughter, Emery, and I sat where you were looking ahead to 2012, and I had been in Michigan for a year, and I had gone through the first part of winter, and you know, what tends to happen is once winter hits up there, you kind of let yourself go. You know, you, you got these warm meals. You know, the, you know the, the pants start to feel a little bit more snug. You go out a couple belt notches. And so I just had my first daughter, and I said, you know what? I'm not going out like this. This isn't happening. So I vowed that year I'm going I'm, I'm to change the trajectory of this story. And so I started working out, eating well, and I got sick in September of 2012, and I went to the doctor. And there I am at the doctor's office, and I'm just asking them, hey, I, I just need an antibiotic. You ever had those times? You just you know what it is already, but you've got to go to them to get the script and all that. So I'm sitting there in the doctor's office, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm like, hey, okay, all you need to do is give me an antibiotic. And they start grilling me on questions. Uh, Tyler Groff, right? Yep, Tyler Groff, date of birth, 11-18-81. Okay, so it says here, you've lost a lot of weight since you were here last. Yeah, probably. And then I spent the rest of my time in that doctor's office explaining how I lost my weight. They were asking me questions. Uh, so, so, so what did you eat exactly? Oh, I was eating you know, chicken and veggies and you were working out. Yeah, I was working out every, you know, most every day trying to, to, to lose this weight. Right, and, now, can you take us through a, just a day? You know, what, what foods you ate, you know, step by step. And the reason is when people lost the amount of weight I had lost in that amount of time, it's usually not a good sign. People don't usually fall into losing weight. Now, they, they checked me out and they said, yeah, you, you, you are kind of the model person for what we would hope to see. So uh, I just committed a, a seminary faux pas and you don't become the hero of your own story. But trust me, you won't think I'm a hero by the end of this. But in this process, 
you begin to realize for us to consecrate ourselves, we are not going to fall into this. We're not going to fall into trusting God, stepping out in faith, independence and trust, because we just, by the apathy of our lives, we just kind of drift. We just kind of drift into and out of things. We kind of drift in and out of the Sunday morning experience. And so for some of us, we, we have to be reminded to consecrate means to set apart, to set apart. And, and, and what that means is that, that you and I, we, we step into this way of following Jesus. That we step into this way of we, we follow him into the broken and messy places of life. That we, that we say, okay, how can I bring Jesus to this area? And, and what I fear, and this may be a reason why I'm not a pastor in 20 years, is that in America, I think that being set apart, all that we long for in American Christianity is to just to con- continue to have our little subculture, to ke- continue to have our little slice of the pie at the table. Um, continue to let us have our rights and our ways. And those are good and all, but the church is called to be a people who transform communities. The church is called to be a people who are set apart. And they say, let me enter the broken places of this world and bring Jesus there. And I hear stories from Paul. He was telling me this morning about what you guys are doing here in the community. And I long for you guys to do more of that. I don't know if Paul ever told you about a guy named Charles Spurgeon. He lived in the 1800s. He had a large church in London. And that church in London, uh, he, you know, Charles Spurgeon was, uh, I mean, he, he was a depressed fella. So if you think pastors have it all together, he surely didn't. But Charles Spurgeon was this dynamic man of the faith, dynamic. And people came in by droves. And at the end of the day, someone asked Charles Spurgeon, what do you long for your church to be? And he said, I long for my church, the Metropolitan Tabernacle. That if we ceased to exist, London would be devastated. That if our church, however big or however small, ceased to exist, that that surrounding community would be devastated. Because we were bringing hope and peace and love and joy and grace into the broken places. And so I think that's what we are called to be. Now the question is, how do we do that? Well, I think for us it's learning how to join God in all the places that he already has us. That's in our marriage. That's in our work. That's in our families. As broken, as messed up as those are. That God's already there in those. And he wants us to join him in what it's like to be set apart. And stepping out into faith. To bring his peace and love into those areas. So that's our first point. First point. Second point. We need to look past our circumstances look past our circumstances. So verse eight, we'll read verse eight and then verse 15 B verse eight and then verse 15 B. And as for you command the priests who bear the Ark of the covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And then at verse 15 B, this is parentheses. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. So I want to talk a little bit about the Jordan river, the Jordan river, uh, flows down from Mount Hermon, 25 miles into the Sea of Galilee. And then it flows 65 miles into the Dead Sea. So from the top, Mount Hermon, it's 9,000 feet above sea level. By the time it gets to the Dead Sea, it's 1,400 feet below sea level. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny. 
But the Jordan River basically means to descend, to descend. So you, you kind of have to like imagine that story, how that all came about. Like they're sitting there by the river and there's the tribal leader and he says, drums, please. And they start playing the drums and he says, we shall call this river the Jordan, which means simply to descend. Like you imagine somebody in the crowd was like lame, but it's called the Jordan River. Now, for most of the time of the year, the Jordan River is three to six feet. So it's pretty easy to cross. But as we read in the passage, it's harvest season, which harvest season means that it's beginning to warm up, that the mountains, uh, the snow is beginning to melt and they're flooding the river. And when that happens, the river becomes impossible to pass. Um, it, it's, it's impossible. And the waters are, are brimming with this type of chaos that uh, they looked out and said, how are we going to step out and past this. And so we have to look past our circumstances. Now what you uh, begin to see uh, in this passage. Is, is that they are looking and wondering. Okay how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to cross? And, and God says to them. Here's what you're going to do. You put your foot in the water. You put your foot in the water. And then I will part the sea. You put your foot in the water first, and then I will part the river. Now, I think for most of us, or at least this is how I do it in my own mind, I probably wouldn't say this out loud. Well, I guess I'm saying it out loud now. But we, we say things like this, you know, God, if, if you would give me, um, if, if, you'd, if you'd give me more money, then, then I will give, give more away. You know, God, if you gave me more boldness, if you if you gave me more of those gifts that are needed to talk about Jesus in my workplace and talk about him in my relationships, then I would do that. Um, you know, God, if you if you just kind of freed up a little bit more time in my life, if I got a little bit more margin, then I would be able to step out and do more in the church and more in the community and do justice here and justice there. But God says to you and me, you need to look past your circumstances and you actually have to step out first. Now, that would have been terrifying to them because to ancient people, these people standing aside this river, uh, they saw the waters as chaotic. Um, the, the people uh, in ancient times saw the waters brimming with evil. Um, there's psalmists who talk about these creatures, these monsters in the water. That, that the water was chaotic. It was, it was flowing out of control. They didn't know what to think of it. Um, there's one verse in Psalm 65 that says this. It talks about this. O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth, the earthland and the farthest seas, the one who steals the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Um, that th These people stood by the edge of this water and they said, you want us to step out into that? We're going to step out and you're going to meet us and you're going to break these waters open. And so they stood there scared and terrified. Now, uh, in the first century, uh, there were rabbis who went about throughout villages and times. And, you know, they would uh, gather disciples who would follow them in the first century. And, you know, and they, basically they would come up to their disciples and they would say, follow me. And, and what would happen was these, these disciples would, whatever they were doing, because it was such a great honor for a rabbi to come to them and ask them to follow them, they would drop whatever they were doing. So if they were fishermen and they were uh, tending their nets, they would drop their nets immediately and follow them. 
Because to be called by a rabbi was such a great honor for that community. Uh, you know, this, this rabbi would go with his disciples into various villages and they would ask him questions like, uh, what's permitted on the Sabbath? Um, what, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Um, they would ask him questions like, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, the rabbi would be standing with his people and he'd be talking about the law and how to interpret it. And he would say things like, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And Jesus gathered disciples and began to live out this life in their community. But something strange happened to those disciples uh, in the gospel of Mark, they were out on this boat and these chaotic waters began to brim out of control again. The storm began to set upon the seas. And, and this guy, Jesus, stood up in the boat and he said, peace be still. And they said, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? That, that Jesus is the one who calms the seas. That, that Jesus is the one who says to you and me this morning... Look past the waters. Now, for all of us in this room, though you guys actually do look closest to perfect of any church I've ever preached in. I'm not kidding. You guys look great. But I know that they're chaotic waters. I know there's things in your life that you are looking at and you are saying. I can't imagine stepping out. In faith for that. There are things in your life that you're looking at that you're saying, those waters keep me awake at night. Those waters, when I begin to think about them, bring fear. And God says to you in this morning, hey, listen, you have to take that step and I will meet you there on the other side. Now, you've got to Im imagine how this all worked because you're staying there and you are God saying to these people, hey, um, we, we, you know, priests, you, you're leading the charge. I need you to step out first and then I will part the waters. You've got to imagine the guy on the front end, you know, he's saying, listen, guys, you know, I've been running shotgun on this thing for just way too long. I'm going to take a couple steps back. Somebody wants to step up here and go first in this endeavor. That'd be great. But I don't want to hog all the credit, guys. So you guys move on, move on up front. I'm going to take a back seat here. So how do we look past our circumstances? How do we get to the place where we can just take that step out when it looks like we are stepping into the greatest storm that keeps us awake. Where do we get the strength to do that? And I'll tell you the first place you don't get it, or at least I can't, is my own stinking faith. Because I am, you know, we talk about my daughter being a hot mess. I'm a hot mess. I have got so many issues. I wake up some days and I'm, I'm barely struggling to hang on to this faith. Some days are good. But if it's left up to me to step out into these brimming, chaotic waters of my life with my shrivel faith and doubts, then I'm not going to go very far. If my hope is for me to hold it all together, then it's not going to happen. So what's our hope this morning? Well, the hope for them 
And the hope for us is that we find the ark. We find the ark. So let's read verse 11 and verse 13. Behold, see, look, find. The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. The great news for you and me this morning is that our ability to step out into this next year, our ability to step out in dependence is not based on us. We need to step out, but it's not based on us. But the good news for you and me this morning is there is a ark in our midst. Now, what's the ark? Well, the ark in the Old Testament was the place where God's presence resided. So God's presence was going with his people into the midst of the Jordan. And so the people were there looking and seeing out that, oh, we will be okay. We will be safe because God's here in our story. You know, I just mentioned you guys, uh, you're about as perfect to any church I've seen. So I feel a little intimidated sharing this. But I'm trusting out there that some of you deal with some of these same struggles. So I moved up to Michigan and I became a pastor. You know, and everything was going great. I was really excited about this position. And about six to eight months in, I started to develop these chaotic waters, not out here. I mean, you know, life was crazy out here, but these just chaotic waters inside. I began to become extremely anxious. And then one day in September of 2011, I had a full on panic attack. Has anyone ever had a panic panic attack? I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but just if you haven't had one, they are awful. So I had this panic attack and I started freaking out. What is happening to me? I'm 29. I haven't had kids yet. What's going to happen when I have kids? I started seeing a counselor. It was great. Super helpful. If you're there, I would recommend getting some counseling. I am pro-counseling. And these chaotic waters just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And I was trying to say, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to change? How do I, how do I approach my situation differently? How do I you know, talk in a mirror to myself and say, you are good. You're smart enough. People like you. That's an SNL reference if you know what that is. And I got to a point and I realized, man, forget that. I have a stinking ark in my midst. That whatever I face, whatever lies before me, Whatever looks out in the distance and scares me to death, I have an ark in my midst. Whatever doubts I have, whatever struggles I continue to have, like, you know, don't hear this as I don't struggle with anxiety anymore. I still have it. But the the great thing about it is it's not contingent on me. It's contingent on the fact that, that God, his presence with me, that he's with you. How many folks uh, here, you, you're that person that the second Christmas Eve or Christmas is over, that the tree comes down the next day, that the ornaments come off, that you get all that taken care of. If you just go ahead and raise your hand, I'd love to see uh, who you are. Yeah, we got some, some folks here. You take it down immediately. These folks are called type A 
Just want you to know that. Type A. They, they take care of their stuff. Now, how many of you are in the room? You, you, it's like Groundhog Day is upon you. Yeah, my dad, of course. You know, Groundhog Day is upon you. You're, um, yeah, so, you know, here a lot in the church, we, we um, once Christmas ends, once we, we recognize Jesus was a baby, we just kind of move on from that season of, of Christmas into the new year. And that's great because that's part of what shapes us a lot of ways. But in the liturgical calendar year of the church, we are actually still in Christmas. Uh, they call this Christmas tide. It's the 12 days of Christmas. You may have heard that before, the 12 days of Christmas. And so I think with this sermon too, I want to tie in the fact that we are still recognizing Emmanuel. Uh, that you and I, that whatever chaotic waters we face, that God is in our midst. Um, that God is for us. That we aren't approaching our situations alone. And that uh, he is in this fight with us. And so I hope that you would take that with you this morning. Now, I do want to promise you something. Because I feel like it needs to be said. But stepping out into the chaotic waters of your life does not mean that they're going to go away. They went away in this story, but that's not the overall point. For most of us, stepping out in faith means that we're going to have to learn how to do life amidst those waters. We're going to have to learn what it's like to have Emmanuel, God, with us in the darkest moments that still continue to plague us, that still continue to come alongside of us in these stories of life. And you, but here's the great part. Imagine the scene. The ark goes out into the water. The water parts. The people begin to come through. It would have been great to do a case study on those people passing through that water that day. And this is how we know that it's not contingent on our faith. It's contingent on the fact that the ark, that God is in our midst. Because I'm sure that some people, and you're in this room, that nothing phases you. I could shoot you in the arm right now and you'd be, hey, I can deal with this. And so you pass through that water, singing that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Look at that. Look at all that water. That is amazing. Look what God does. He is so good. He is so faithful. And then there's others of you, a little bit more neurotic, a little bit more nervous about life. You worry a lot. You're like me. You're passing that water. You're like, that stuff's coming down. That stuff, that, that's going to come. Does somebody, have we got code on that? Stepping out in faith is not that you have it all together. Stepping out in faith is the fact that you realize the ark is in your midst. That God's in your midst. That God wants to part all the messiness in your life and for you to realize that he is there with you through it all. And you know what's amazing is somehow in the church we, we forget that, right? We forget those stories. And we somehow pass those stories on to other people. I was taking a trip to New York City my first time. Uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was going there for the wedding of David Williams, who went here in college. You may remember David Williams, if you do. He got married, in case you're wondering. Um, it was a miracle. No. <laughs> he was a good guy. He's a good guy. But I'm flying there. And on my flight there, I have this, um, this guy sitting next to me. And we talked about faith and being a pastor and what's that like. 
And, you know, we shared all these stories back and forth. And, you know, we're coming in to descend into New York City. And uh, he says uh, to me, as you could tell that he was wrestling with stuff. And he says, you know, I want to believe when it's all over that God's going to let me in because I've been a good person. I've been, that's my kid, in case you're wondering. That's my kid. That, that I've been a good person. That I've been pure in my heart and I've, I've, I've wanted to love God or um, not love God, but, but, you know, I want to do all these good things. And, uh, and I, you know, I said to him, hey, hey, man, I, I, yeah, I don't know where you heard that. But, you know, if, if that's the basis for me, you know, I'm talking about myself, if that's the basis for me getting in when it's all said and done. Yet that ship sailed at about four. Um, and I just kind of went on a litany of reasons why it can't be based on me. I said, I hate people. I gossip. I judge people. I'm mean. I'm difficult to live with. Ask my wife. That's supposed to be a joke. You're supposed to laugh at that. I went, it was kind of this divine moment where I was able to unearth all of my junk to this guy. More than I'm going to reveal here because I don't trust you. And I unearthed all of this stuff. And at the end, I said to him, you know what? All I can talk about and all I can give people is Jesus. That's all I got, man. And so I just dropped that bomb on him and we descend into this place. And I was like, oh gosh, he's done with me. Well, we're baggage claim. He comes up to me. He gave me $40. I think it was, he felt sorry for me. I'm a pastor. I don't, I have no clue what it was. But I was like, listen, All our hope, all we've got is that there is an ark in the midst of our lives and his name is Jesus. That's all we can cling to. That's all I got. It's been all I've got since I was four. Maybe before that. That's all I can remember. But it probably goes back further than that. So this morning, I invite us, us, to stand at the edge of those chaotic waters to stand at the edge of the places in your life brimming out of control, to stand at those places that keep you awake, to stand at the places that cause fear and worry and doubt, and that you can step out. You can step out in faith and the goodness because God is there. Isaiah 43. Do not fear. Do not fear. When you pass through the raging rivers, they will not consume you. For I am the Holy One of Israel, the God in your midst, your Savior.